Welcome back, Literary Slummers. It's another Morph Monday, and ding, ding, all aboard. It's time for a trolley problem, Animorph style. Does that make sense? You know the trolley problem? Oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm Em. And I'm Anna. I forgot. Wait, am I supposed to say I'm one of your morphs? I think I am. Uh, yeah, we're your morphs. We're morphs. Anna and Em. <laughs> and Em. Hi, here we are. Oh, goodness. This week on Shelf Aware, we read book, Animorphs, book number 19. We read book. Uh, Animorphs, book number 19, The Departure, a Cassie POV that we were dreading because of previous events in the series. And what a departure it was. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Quite. Who was the departure... Just that one year cleaving? Yes, I think that's okay. that's what the reference was, yes. All right. I don't know if that, like, you know, constitutes a capital D departure. Listen, but... we're getting real fast and loose with these noun titles here. I know. I think she was just like, fuck, word, go. I think at this point she might just be <laughs> opening a dictionary and, you know, doing the little finger swirl to the first noun. Mm. Or writing the title first and then the rest of the mm. book. I feel like if that was the case, the title would have more to do with the rest of the book. <laughs> nah. <laughs> title aside, what'd you think of this one? This, it was, to me, so very boring. But in that way that's like, we have to get to the through this to get to the better things. And I have a feeling that you probably really liked it because there's a lot of lore and a lot of philosophizing on Cassie's part. So I think I was reading it and I was just like, oh, God, God. <laughs> was I right in my assumption? Oh, you are 100% right. This was <laughs> about two chapters away from being my favorite Animorph. Two chapters? Book. What two chapters? Yeah. The final two. If oh, the okay. ending wasn't the ending, if they had stuck with it, if they had the oh yeah, their if Cassie was the departure instead yes, of the, uh, I would yes. be like hundred percent. This is the best. I would have liked book. that too. But I understand status quo is God, and so we can't do that. But I have to say, I do think also probably my like of this book has to do with the fact that this is the first book, the first Animorphs book I've read for this podcast. Well. I only read Animorphs. For <laughs> she just pretends to read them. She's <laughs> never <laughs> actually opened an Animorphs book. <laughs> well, yes, this is the first. What I was going to say was this is the first physical copy I've read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at first, that was hard to get into because it is a physical copy that I got from a friend of the podcast, Morgan, who was on 50 episodes or something ago. <laughs> like, she got me a bunch of Animorphs books from a library sale that they were doing. Uh, so it does smell like a book from the 90s which is to say not great yep but after I got into it what I realized after reading because it took me about 40 minutes to read (laughs) because I wasn't pausing every three sentences to try to triangulate where the Animorphs were (laughs) not as easy to look things up (laughs) yeah I just didn't feel like oh well I can just go to another tab so I was like in the book and I actually focused on it for once which is not my typical reading style when it comes to these books (laughs) Uh, yeah I like to read them on my kindle because then I know how much time I have left so yeah helps me plan my day how long I can postpone reading sometimes (laughs) mostly for our shelf aware books I feel like those I'm like really how long can I put that off but yeah 
yeah, so this 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 one was pretty lore heavy and pretty again delving into the darkness of the series yes. a little bit here. Loved it. Yeah, there was a lot going on, even though not a lot actually happened. Which, which is exactly what I want. As a Rachel, I was very distraught. <laughs> as a, a Cassie Sun, Tobias Moon, Marco Rising, I was very into this. <laughs> Just kidding, that's not accurate. I'm not a Cassie Sun. I'm like a probably a Marco, right? I don't know. I don't. All I know is that I was born on July 12th, so I'm a Cancer. That's all I know. <laughs> I'm not trying Sorry. to actually, I'm just saying which of these animals am I most like? Oh, which one you're most like? Okay, I don't know what the sun and the moon means or the rising. Oh, I don't either. I just think it's a fun thing to say that. <laughs> I assume, I th- I know it has something to do with like, the moon one I get, because it's like where the moon was in relation to the constellations and where the sun was in relation to the constellations when you were born. The rising, I don't know what that, is that just like, where the earth was? I'm not sure, but probably someone's going to tell me and I'm super not going to care because astrology is nonsense. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it is though, guys. <laughs> like, it's super fun nonsense if you're yeah. into it. I was, you know, but like... It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> yep. Though I understand if this is what you need to turn to um, in our time of no longer sorting yeah, 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 ourselves yeah. by Hogwarts houses. <laughs> by all means. <laughs> oh all right i'm gonna talk about this book now let's do it let's do it i feel like there's a lot for us to get into so the book opens with the bandalites in mid-battle um i guess they they went to go spy on a meeting of the sharing and as they were doing so they saw an opportunity to grab a huge look at you have the book open and you (laughs) sorry (laughs) it was just very you look very studious you just you had the book open and very serious look on your face why am I being mocked for being prepared? Nerd. Nerd alert. Anyway. They- <laughs> also, I found out in the books, if uh-huh. you have the 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 uh, hardcover edition, or not the hardcover edition, the, the physical edition, mm-hmm. uh, there's a little flip book in the corner. Yeah. That when you flip, it turns from a person to an animal. Is it the same one that's on the cover? Is it Cassie turning into a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Butterfly? How fun. Oh, spoilers. Spoilers How- for the cover of this book. How fun, guys. How fun. So fun. So the Vandalites saw an opportunity to grab a human controller for questioning or, I don't know, like torture. I don't know what they do these days. But um, instead, they got into a big fight with a bunch of Hork-Bajir. And Jake gives a signal for the Vandalites to retreat. But as he's giving the order, Cassie ends up ripping out one of the Hork-Bajir's throats, killing it because she's in her wolf mode. So this is the second time Cassie has killed (laughs) The second time that I can, yeah, I was going to say confirm, because I'm pretty sure that there's been a lot of battles where they've killed Hork-Bajir and stuff, and it's just kind of like glossed over, Um, which again brings up the whole, and they kind of get into this in the book, but they, this is the thing that I didn't like about this book. Mm. They get into, I'm jumping very far ahead, I'm sorry, but I also couldn't take Kindle notes for this, so I'm just going to have to say things when they come to my head. Um... (laughs) Unlike how we normally run this Unlike podcast. Unlike normal, it's very <laughs> organized. Uh, no, as it goes on, it becomes a philosophical discussion of whether or not the Yerks have a right to do Yerk things like taking over humans and blah, blah, blah. Why is it fair that humans can be like, fuck you to the Yerks in defense of themselves, but like, 
the humans are putting themselves up as most important and whatever. And like in relation to the Yerks, I do get it. Like I, I think it kind of arrives to its point, but the problem with this whole setup is that there's other sentient, like Cassie's argument is that it is wrong for the Yerks to take slaves, humans as slaves, essentially Mm -hmm. in order for them to find fulfillment or live their lives or whatever. Because humans have their own right to life, right? right. Mm-hmm. But, like, this completely falls apart when you consider how many fucking hork the Animorphs are killing. Like, we know yeah. that the hork have sentience. We know that they have, like, the possibility of deep interior lives because we fucking read the hork Chronicles and we read the book where the hork all try to... Right, try to go free and whatever. So it's like, okay, you can debate whether or not the Yerks are right, you can debate, oh, you're not picking humans above Yerks. You're just saying that the humans have this right. But you're not extending that right to the hork You're killing any controller that's not a human. Like, right. That's pretty much the line that the Animorphs draw, right? It's like, if it's an alien... Kill it. Kill it. If it's a human, then it becomes this big moral quandary. And it's like, that's incredibly hypocritical. You're the exact same as the Yerks. Right. Though I guess it would be difficult to explain a lot of human deaths if if if, if this was like a strategic thing, which is completely not. It no, would be hard to Jake. be like, there's a there's a really bad serial killer out there who's just killing boatloads of people in the probably San Francisco Bay area, like just tons of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cassie's a little bit biased, and I don't know. And, well, she's she's really shook by the fact that she killed this hork because she can't remember. She's in her wolf morph, and she can't remember if she did this killing before or after Jake told them to retreat. And so she's like, how much, how, how much am I changing? How much am I seeking out death and murder of these alien species when I don't have to? Like... I guess that's one thing to be following orders, but we know that defense doesn't work. Or yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> she does just really bother her the timing of when Jake told her to stop attacking. And so she's like, I quit. I quit the Animorphs. I'm out of the band. Please stop inviting me. I'm done. And most of them are real pissed off by this decision, especially Rachel and Marco, who are like, you are a coward and a hypocrite. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> see but here's the thing i will i'm gonna come to cassie's defense in this book i know because i know <laughs> i love her um i turned God. back to oh. i turned back around i love cassie again <laughs> my complaint about cassie and megamorphs was uh. that she has perfectly normal emotions and then tries to justify them on a grander scale right mm-hmm. and i think in this book she and a little bit at the end of Megamorphs, but especially in this book, she's like, no, I, this is not a grand scale thing. This is a personal thing. And they call her a coward. And she says, yeah, I'm a coward. Like she completely owns it. She's like, yeah, you know what? I am a coward and I don't want to do this. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's valid. That's fair. I guess like, you know, when to tap out. Right. And it's like, yeah, we all want to believe we'd be the hero, but I think it's more reasonable to have this character arc of like oh no i got dragged into this and i super don't want to do it you Mm -hmm. know yeah because that was marco for like the first thousand books (laughs) right and he got the reason of you have that because you're mama mama but like cassie doesn't have that motivation and we talked about that before she has no motivation to be here 
So why is she here? But Jake tells her, if you're not an animorph, you cannot use your morphing abilities, like, at all, no matter what. It was worth the risk when you were trying to help us save the world. Uh, um, but now that you're not, you can't you can't do this because you're putting us at jeopardy. And she's like, okay, fine. I give up morphing. I give up being a bandolite, whatever. Um, and she gets some other sad news. Her dad's like, we have to close the, the barn because we don't have any money. Our sponsor pulled out. And she's like, oh, I just have to go on a horse ride to calm my nerves. This was completely unnecessary and added absolutely nothing to the story. A (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. So she rides this horse into the forest because, you know, that's the best place to ride horses. Maybe there was a trail. I don't know. I give her the benefit of the doubt. But she's out there and she comes across this young girl, younger than her, who's being chased by a bear. And Cassie saves her. But in the process... The the two girls are knocked into the river and they almost drown. Uh, but then the girl saves Cassie's life. And so they're even. No one knows anybody anything, which is really important to this girl whose name is Karen because surprise, she's a yerk. And surprise, she kind of knows Cassie is a bandolite. Because the hork vizier that Cassie killed was Karen's brother. Yes. So we get to learn more about Yerk family structures in this book. Yes. And, and well, and I think wild. this must answer our question about whether or not the Yerk dies when the host dies because she's like mourning her brother, right? Oh, see, I totally didn't pick up on that. I thought she was just salty that her brother like oh, went, maybe. went back to, had to go back to the Yerk pool and lost his host body. Oh, I thought he was dead. I don't know if it says for sure, because I can't take notes in this book, because it's a Let physical book. Uh. You didn't mark it up? Yeah, she said, rip the throat from my brother's host body and leave him dying. I don't know if that's the host dying. There's ambiguous pronouns there. Yeah. Um, or also, it it could be left her brother dying, but then they came and picked up her brother and put her brother back yeah. in the yerk pool. Which she doesn't really know, I guess, because this girl like went off. She saw that her brother died and then or his host died and then she went off to hunt down Cassie because that all happens yeah. like simultaneously. So I don't know. Um, anyway, so maybe that, that doesn't do anything for our question. So if you know the answer to that, please let us know because I'm still real confused. So Cassie's like trying to play it off like this girl is an idiot and talking nonsense, but it doesn't really work. And Karen, I guess she's, like, sprained her ankle or broke it or something, so she can't walk. So Cassie, like, busies about making a splint and a crutch for her and whatever. And then they try and make it out of the woods, but they're lost. Um, And also, like, not super important to the story, but it keeps coming up. So, like, it was reported on the news recently that some leopard got loose from a Joe Exotic type situation and is currently (laughs) hiding out in the same forest that Cassie and Karen are chilling in. I 100% miss the fact that this was Chekhov gun situation. Like, mm. I missed the references before the leopard showed oh, up. So it was just so in I'm, the forest, and you were like, nah. It's like, what is this? And then Cassie says, like, oh, yeah, it got out of a zoo. And I was, like, racking my brain trying to figure out in which prior Animorphs book they released a leopard from the zoo. <laughs> I was like, oh, this must be a reference to something. Yeah. Well, it was just like a throwaway mention kind of yeah. at the beginning of the book. So um, I just, it just made me think of Joe Exotic, which is the only reason I remembered it. So <laughs> um, 
Anyway, Karen and Cassie have to wander around the forest, try and find their way out. And the leopard tries to attack them. And Cassie's like, well, darn it. I have to morph into my wolf form now in order to scare the leopard away, which she does. And Karen's like, ha, knew it, bitch. You're a bandalite. We always knew, well, not all, not everyone, but the, quite a few of us suspect that the Bandalites are in fact human, but Visser 3 is an idiot, so he does not. <laughs> I like this idea that everybody, like, all of the Yerks have figured this out except for Visser 3. Yes, yes. <laughs> I definitely get that vibe from Karen, who is very much like, the Vissers and sub don't give a shit about anyone but themselves, and Visser 3 is like, I'm the only one that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else is like, doesn't it seem really weird that there's like this random group of Andalites here on Earth? Like, how did they get here? Yeah. I thought we killed all of them. We What's shot down happening? that ship. Like, come on. <laughs> um. So then basically most of the rest of the book is Karen and Cassie walking around in the woods trying to make their way out and talking about the morals of what the Yerks are doing and how Cassie should feel about it, I guess. So... Karen's argument is that the Andalites think they are the saviors of the galaxy and only the species that they like are allowed to thrive. And it's essentially unfair for the Yerks to go back to their slug existence because they can't see, smell, or taste anything really. And they have this taste of freedom at the moment. And they, they like, it's like, yeah, if you were to lose all of your senses to have to go back into that form, they're, they don't want it. Why should they have to have that? Um, and she's also like, she's like, you humans are just so, um, you take everything for granted. Like you live on the most beautiful planet in the entire galaxy somehow. Um, (laughs) and you don't even realize it. So that's why we're that you don't deserve it essentially. And I think she also brings up the point several times in kind of a banging you over the head with it sort of way that like humans eat other animals and are predators and so they think that that's fine and normal to be a predator but the yerks who are parasites are also using other animals and obviously they think that it's fine to be a parasite because that's what they are it's like which is a pretty good point except that humans aren't eating animals that have like we don't eat the ones that look like us (laughs) <laughs> yeah well there's that <laughs> i was gonna say they have higher cognitive abilities mm. because it's like y- yeah the yerks are using another life form in a same in a similar way to the way that humans use another life form but like i do think that there is kind of a difference between using another life form but maybe that's just speciesist of me. I don't know. But see, I have a problem with, like, I would have a problem with the humans who are eating hork too, you know? Yeah, I think yeah. that's what the issue is, is, like, the level of free will. But that's not Like, shitty, if you've like, developed a written language? Well, no, because the hork are stupid, though. They don't. I don't yeah, think and they also that. that would kind of imply that, like, <laughs> cultures cultures that only have an oral oh, history. Oh, yeah. We can eat them, which I don't think that's. I don't. I mean, I don't want to eat any people. (laughs) I want to make that very clear. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that that's Cassie's thing, right? She's just like, you can't make humans slaves. That's not cool. Like, would I guess my question then is, would Cassie be okay with being like, you guys can have the ged, take the ged, and fuck off? Like, yeah, that really kind of seems like that should be the thing that's brought up, right? Yeah. 
Like, and she doesn't bring that up, but mm-hmm. like, she could. She could be like, okay. Why do you keep ag- needing more powerful hosts? Yeah, we both agree that you need a host of some sort. I think mm-hmm. everybody can kind of agree to that. And I'm going to maybe get into that a little bit in series theories. But the idea of finding a compromise does not come up. And I guess it kind of doesn't matter in this instance because it's not like the Yerk in Karen could take action to get all of the Yerks to go infest the Ged instead. Like mm-hmm. that wouldn't work in this instance but it does seem like it should have come up right yeah 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 i think there is like this feeling of imperialism that's running through Mm. what the yerks are doing and i think like that could be just be like don't don't do that (laughs) don't conquer entire species that don't want to be conquered like you have willing volunteers right well i don't know if the get are willing or if well the taxons are yeah that's true you're right the taxons but see i think the taxons are only into it because they get to conquer other people so like that's a whole other level of problem (laughs) maybe maybe what they did with the taxons could have been a service like if they just stopped attacking and they're like okay now now we're spiky people no the horkbajir are the spiky ones now we are slugs like giant worms bigger slugs we were small slugs and we didn't like it and we're slightly bigger slugs and we're more into it we're more into this yeah Oh, yeah. So they talk about that for a long time. And then the leopard shows up again, I guess. I don't really remember, but something happens with it where Cassie and Karen can't fight the leopard off, but it's okay because Marco shows up. Hooray. Yay, Marco. And Cassie is like, Karen, do not let Marco know you're a yerk because he'll kill you. Uh, But Marco's like, what are you guys whispering about? Is it the fact that Karen's a yerk? I know. You're an idiot, Cassie. What you're doing is stupid. Because <laughs> well, the way this breaks down is Cassie's like, Karen, shh, shh, Karen, shh. And Marco's Karen. like, Marco's like, what, what's like, going on? Ixnay on the ear, yay. And Cassie's <laughs> like, uh, nothing, nothing's going on. And Marco's like, okay, I'm going to go off into the woods to morph away from you guys. Don't talk about anything important while I'm gone. And, and don't remember the like, fact that I have good hearing right now. This <laughs> is like five feet away. Cassie's like, listen, you beautiful yerk. You can't tell Marco anything or else he'll kill you. And then Marco comes back and is like, Cassie, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> You've been one day without us and you forgot how the bandolites work. <laughs> you forgot how hearing works, Cassie. Oh my god. I also thought it was weird that Marco didn't like throw it in Cassie's face that she have. had promised not to morph, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's that like, too. I was expecting that. Does that come up at all? Like I was expecting mm-hmm. that to be a thing at some point for someone to be like, hey, you said you wouldn't morph and you did. And for her to be like, I had to protect my life. But like, I don't think that comes up. No, I think they all wanted to like really tiptoe around her after she did the whole thing at the end of this book. Yeah, that's true. But like, whatever, fuck her. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so they all three of them argue about it now where Marco's like, let's just fucking waste this chick. And Cassie's like, all right, you've heard from, from me, Cassie, and you've heard from Yerk. But we haven't heard from Karen, the girl who has been enslaved. And the Yerk is like, yeah, but for me to like let her go, I'm not going to just leave my defenseless slug body out here in the ground. So I need a host. And Cass is like, come into my ear and learn and control me and learn all of my secrets. I also did want to talk about in this section, I think it's this section, the part where 
Marco is a gorilla and Karen slash the Yurkin Karen is like, what's this monkey going to do? And Cassie's like, uh-uh-uh, he's very dangerous as a gorilla. And then the Yurk slash Karen's like, oh, my host thinks he looks like Curious George. First no, of all, no, he she doesn't. doesn't. A gorilla is very different from Curious George. Extremely different. (laughs) (laughs) Curious George did things like ride a bicycle and go inside of a rocket ship. Like, this gorilla's not doing either of those things. Curious George was like two feet tall. And brown. And this gorilla is like gray and black and huge. (laughs) And like giant. There's like, if, like, you just, you can look at something and be like, wow, that looks dangerous. Yeah. A gorilla is definitely one of those things. It also makes me wonder how old this child was supposed to be. Like three? Yeah, I thought she was like 13, like Cassie's age. Mm, But then No, she's definitely younger. I was thinking like nine or eight. Still, you should know what a gorilla is by that age. And she should know about caterpillars too. Like, (laughs) I really don't know how old this kid was supposed to be. (laughs) So... Cassie lets the, herself become a year co- host, and Marco is like, fuck this. I'm get, I'm going to tattle on you, and I'm going to bring Jake, and he's going to be so silky-voiced disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm silky-voiced. And Cassie's like, actually, actually. I really would. <laughs> this really was, I think, their two... This book was kind of the accumulation of these two 13-year-olds' kinks, right? It's... Cassie wants Jake to boss her around and be mad at her. Yes. And Jake wants Cassie to be a bug. Yes. And you know what? <laughs> that was almost their eternity. <laughs> Cassie and Yerk share their each other's memories. Yerk learns all about the Bandalites. Um, but Cassie is also able to convince this Yerk, who it's revealed is not super into this idea of war. And actually it's revealed that a lot of the Yerks aren't into this war and they're fine just chilling. But the Andalites have kind of put this, put them in this impossible situation where it's like, yeah, we could go back to your planet, but then like the Andalites are just going to sit there and monitor us. And if we ever make any motion to leave the planet, they're going to just destroy all of us. So why would we do that? Um, and Cassie's like, yeah, but but you guys shouldn't take over humans, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they come up with this idea of, like, they cannot possibly, the two of them cannot possibly broker a peace between the Yerks and, I guess, the rest of the universe. Cassie's like, why don't we just have this peace, just the two of us, just one Bandalite and one Yerk? And the Yerk's like, hmm, I'll think about it. Um, I will do it. But... You are asking me to spend the rest of my life being blind and sluggy. So you have to do the same thing. I know I know all about morphing now because I can read your memories. Um, you have to live the rest of your life as a caterpillar, which is like the closest example they had to a year at that moment in time. There's just like a caterpillar chilling there next to them. Very convenient. A deuce ex caterpillar. Yes. <laughs> so then... The year goes back into Karen, and I'm like, okay, so first of all, you did this whole thing to, like, hear what Karen had to say, but no one even asked Nobody Karen. talked what? to Karen. <laughs> Karen just, like, <laughs> cried in the woods by herself, because she's a little kid with a broken ankle. <laughs> uh, and Cassie becomes Caterpillar, and the POV switches to Jake. 
which surprised Jake POV. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) A treat for us all. Oh my God. So yeah, they're finding some controllers because there was a search party that sent out to look for Cassie and the little girl. Um, I guess the whole thing with Karen, the reason she's a controller is because her dad is super rich and he like is in charge of a bank or something. And the Yerks want him. So they got, they're going to go through Karen to get to him. I don't know, but they have a lot at stake here. Um, and Cassie's parents are just worried. <laughs> That's why there's people looking for Cassie. They, they fight the controllers, and after the fight, they come across Karen and Cassie in the woods, and the Karen Yurk is upset because it has been two hours since Cassie's been in the Caterpillar more, so she's stuck that way seemingly forever. And she's tried to explain, like, I told her, you know, I, I once the time was coming up to its two-hour maximum, I was like, turn, morph back, morph back. I don't. I, I can see that you mean this, but you don't have to go through with it. I regret asking you to. But Cassie can't hear anything because she's a fucking caterpillar. She's a caterpillar. So she just <laughs> continued on eating leaves. <laughs> caterpillar's gonna do what a caterpillar's gotta do. <laughs> oh, so the Bandalites will start crying and shit, and they take Caterpillar Cassie and keep her safe. And then she becomes a beautiful butterfly. And Axe is like, Oh, and that's where the book should have ended. That's yeah. where the book should have ended. A hundred percent. Oh, it would have been so good. But fucking Axe opened his stupid metaphorical mouth and was like, oh, I didn't know things on this planet could morph naturally. And they're like, yeah, it's the thing that butterflies and caterpillars do. And he's like, oh, well, tell Cassie to, to become human again. And they're like, she can't. And he's like, oh, no, because this is a natural morph. It resets the morph timer. And now Cassie can return to being human as long as she morphs back within two hours. Very convenient. So convenient. So she does that. She just rejoins the Vandalites. The end. This was... Okay, we've only been talking for like half an hour. This was... <laughs> Please tell me All you right. have a lot to say about series theories. <laughs> gonna have to fill this in with some philosophical bullshit. All right, Much let's like do this it. book. All right. <laughs> okay, a few things I want to talk about. Series theories, number one. So after having read this book, I'm pretty sure I know how this series is going to end. And it is, they are going to broker a piece where people volunteer to be yerked. That's how I think this mm. is going to end. Some Because it cannot possibly end in a genocide. And that is the, mm. it is, I, I know we talk a lot about how it's dark and whatever, but it is still a book series for children. It's not going to end in either the humans all being wiped out, because that would be a wild choice, or the Yerks being all wiped out. That just yes. isn't going to happen. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that the way this is going to end is the Andalites are going to realize that they're buttholes, and everyone's going to let the Yerks into their mind on a temporary basis. Like, it'll be oh, like Oh, like they a, cycle through. Yeah, and like, they one don't... One week on, one week off. <laughs> right, and they don't take over full control. They, like, ride along. Like okay, like, yeah. You know? I could see that. They, yeah, she's putting in way too much work to have us sympathize with the Yerks and what they're going mm. through. Like, these these Yerks are so sad. They live such sad lives. Yeah. If she did kill off all the Yerks, that would be buck wild, and I think I would applaud this book series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess that probably it will be like some sort of standoff at the end where the Andalites have won, but the higher ups in the Yerk army, so like Visser 3 and Visser 1, if 
they're not actually super chill, which still not sure. But all the higher, all the visters and sub visters are going to be like, we're going to keep fighting. We'll never bow to you, Animorphs. And then all of the like day to day Yerks are going to be like, no, actually, fuck this. We rise up and we kill the visters. It seems like there might be the the seeds of a class war happening mm-hmm. amongst the Yerks. Yeah, Karen was all salty out. about it, about how the visters and sub visters treat everybody, and also how the Andalites treat everybody, but. She was definitely unhappy with where she was and what she was being forced into from everybody. Just dropped my pen. Sorry. Um, and we do know that the last book, because we talked about it on the podcast before, so I don't mind revealing this again, that the last book is called The Beginning. So yeah. earlier we had hypothesized that it would be like the, be- the the beginning of the resistance. Like this is the mm-hmm. Andalites, or sorry, the Bandalites getting the message out that the Yerks are here. But, yeah, but having read kind of this, the last few books, I don't know that we can stall the message getting out much longer. I think, because this is the other thing I wanted to talk about with this book. Um, so the year pieces out from Karen. Karen mm-hmm. is now a free child of indeterminate age. But like, number one, the other Yerks are going to check on her. Because, like, what are they going to think when she doesn't show up at the Candrona pool in three days? What are they going to think when she doesn't, like, fulfill her mission of getting her father yerked? She knows too much. Right. And this is, not to get too far ahead in this podcast, but this is something we'll be talking about next week about people knowing too much. In two weeks. Um, Yeah, you're right. Two weeks. My bad. Uh, (laughs) MBD. This is starting to become a theme of it being an issue of the Yerks trying to control the release of information, right? Yes. I mean, it's always kind of been a theme, but it's coming up more and more, it seems. So I feel like I don't think it's tenable to do this for another 30 books, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think we're going to have to, at some point, get into more of like an all-out war situation. Yes, yes, where somebody in power acknowledges that there are aliens. Yeah. Um, and whether that comes from an actual authority figure or from a year, I guess we'll find out. Used to say. I also have another theory that I guess now's as good a time to bring it up as any, and it's slightly unfair of me to bring up this theory because I kind of, it's kind of a theory from like metatextual stuff, like stuff that's not in the book, um, specifically like references i've seen online Mm -hmm. not that i i'm always i try to avoid any possible spoilers any possible points of contamination but there's been a lot of chatter in the last couple weeks about children's book series and proper authors to support in wake of certain authors running their goddamn mouths um (laughs) yeah you might have seen a retweet from our twitter account (laughs) Um, but a lot of a lot of people have been mentioning Animorphs and K. Applegate, mm-hmm. and in these mentions, a lot of people have been saying, have been referencing Cassie and Cassie possibly not having a good ending. And I haven't seen anything that's like a full spoiler, but I've seen stuff that's like, oh, even though she did Cassie wrong, or like stuff like that. And in this book, I actually thought there was a really big hint in here that Cassie was gonna die. Yeah, because. At the beginning, she's like, oh, I'm going to tell my story until Jake has to take it over. And I thought that was like a meta level of it where it's like, 
she's going to keep telling these books until the point that she can't anymore because it'll be like she's at the point where they're telling these books she's dying, right? Mm. Like, I thought that's mm-hmm. what it was. But then it's actually a reference to her being, her a, being a caterpillar. <laughs> so, like, not quite. But it did make me think, like, I, I am going to go ahead and predict. I think that Cassie is going to either leave the Animorphs for good or if anybody dies from the team. If there's any Animorph death, I'm going to go ahead and predict it's Cassie. Mm, I would believe that. I feel like Cassie is ripe for a self-sacrifice. Yes, being Mm -hmm. set up to be the Messiah, right? Yes, yeah. Um, Yeah, because we've kind of walked this edge, right, where she, like, let's be real. She's, like, she's depressed, in this mm-hmm. book like she says yeah. i can't feel anything and that terrifies me like she's going through some shit so it's like no that's like really crass but like you know she she was gonna either do something super reckless like i don't know like one of those moves where she kind of like gives up and lets something hurt her more than it should you know mm-hmm. like yeah i don't know she was just in that mood she was just like <laughs> And I honestly thought for a minute that they were going to have the balls to turn Cassie into a butterfly full time. That would be awesome. Thought that was well. And here's the thing: this is again getting ahead. I was I assumed that it was going to be a Tobias situation where it would Uh be like she's now that Tobias is not stuck as an animal. We need someone else to be stuck as an animal and spin the wheel. It's Cassie, right? Mm -hmm. Like I thought that was the deal, and that they would solve it in like. 10 books or so and they could have very easily solved it in literally the next book Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit of a bummer to me that they didn't go ahead and just make this 13 year old a full-time butterfly but they didn't what's the lifespan of a butterfly though (laughs) probably not great (laughs) let's google not the best would be my bet Butterflies, oh, some butterflies can live for 12 months. So depending on what kind she was, they had time. Mm. She had just become a butterfly. Do they count caterpillar in that life cycle, do you think? It, uh, it says no adult butterfly can live more than one a year. Hmm. Oh. Do butterflies operate under D&D rules where when you morph into a butterfly from a caterpillar, you get uh-huh. a new set of hit points. <laughs> and when you reach the bottom of those hit points, you morph back into a caterpillar. You go back to being a caterpillar, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be absolutely wild. <laughs> <laughs> I stomped on this butterfly and now it's a caterpillar. <laughs> I feel like you might not notice it because I think that anything that has does enough damage to a butterfly to kill it would also go over like a butterfly's got to have like one hit point right yeah caterpillar's got to be like one hit point so like unless you roll a one to punch a butterfly i feel like you're (laughs) gonna have to do at least two damage and just knock it through both of its forms so my new theory is that butterflies do operate under DD rules and we just haven't been paying attention we we're just too brutal of species to understand (laughs) uh um, what about, um, the Marco-Cassie interactions in this book? How are we feeling for them ship-wise right now? Because I think Marco makes a couple, or there's a couple mentions, um, 
I know there's a couple of mentions in the next book of Margot saying stuff about Cassie, but was mm-hmm. there was something in this book, or maybe I'm thinking of it was Jake talking good about Margot. I can't um, remember. But someone says Margot was really smart, and I think it's Cassie. I think it is too. I know Jake says it for sure, but he well, he says like Margot just gets from point A to point B lots lots faster than other people. I feel having read this book, the strongest I have ever felt that Marco and Cassie could be an end game situation. Mm. Because up until now I've been like Marco or the Marco Cassie thing is just us being terrible, terrible trash people who are reading too much into this children's book series. (laughs) But I honestly cannot think of a reason that Marco was the one who, like the the character that was chosen to have all of these interactions with Cassie in this book and not Jake. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense unless. (laughs) Yes. We're just trying to get more Marco Cassie on the page to give some sort of weight to the eventual betrayal of Jake by Marco and Cassie. <laughs> I'm not saying I think they are endgame. I just think that this is, I would say up until this point, I've been like 99.9% sure that they are not endgame. And this is a dumb shipper thing that we're doing. But after this, I'd possible. say I'm like, I'm like 95% sure that. Yeah. I endgame. I like this line that he has where after Cassie accepts the yerk into her ear, he says, you're a fool, Cassie. Now it's not the little girl who may have to die. It's you. Yeah, He's like real pissed off about the fact that Cassie did this. Yeah. The fact that he calls her a fool is also very much out of like a romance novel, but that's not the point. You pretty little fool. You pretty little fool. That's not, that's Great Gatsby, isn't it? (laughs) Perhaps, which is not romantic. (laughs) Which is not good. Yeah. I think the whole him being super angry at her. I mean, I guess it could have been any animorphic. It's like a betrayal too. Like at the beginning of this book, he's real mad about it. I think part of it might just be. That we've been told so many times that Jake and Cassie are a thing. And it's I not want to really rebel. Sh- well, that, but it's also just not really shown, right? It's That's like, true. It's they just talk about out. it all the time, but they don't really have any of the Rachel Tobias stuff where it's clear that they like each other, but neither dare speak that into existence, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's they're They're not, they like each other, they're not doing anything about it, so clearly they don't like each other that much. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good point um morbid moment i didn't really have one this week i mean i guess probably when Cass. oh no i did have one this week i hmm. lied i very specifically read this and thought mm, there's my morbid moment and then didn't take note of it because i was reading a physical copy of the book and didn't have kindle notes <laughs> <laughs> but it's the moment when cassie goes after cassie's been yerked when she and the Yerk return to Karen and the Yerk is going to go back into Karen and Cassie can't do anything to stop it mm. because the way it's described, let me just real quick read this, this lovely passage. But as I watched helpless inside my own body, I saw my own hands reach out and take Karen roughly. She cried and beat at me with small fists, but my hands blocked her blows. My hands grabbed her head and held her, her ear against my own. I wanted to cry, but I didn't control my own tears. I wanted to comfort, but my voice was not mine. 
I pressed Karen against me and held her tight, and the yerk named after and extended a slithering extrusion from my ear into Karen's. Like, uh, yucky. Yeah, and like the the wording of it, and also just like, like it's very, like I don't want to get too far into it, but it is very clearly like a violation that is, oh, yeah. can be, you know, compared to certain real world violations. And just the idea of like having, Cassie is has been like so adamant about like how terrible it is it is for humans to be yerked at this point right so like Mm -hmm. like this is her big thing like she's like so worried about humans being yerked and specifically this girl who she spent this whole book like arguing with this yerk about and like trying to have this philosophical debate about it and whatever and then like to have to watch herself do that to a child is like very pretty fucked up yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't very nice to read or imagine. How about you? Um, I don't know. I I think that one was pretty good. There's also the part where, like, when she first morphs into the caterpillar and her mm. mind is screaming at her to demorph, but, yeah. like, she doesn't let herself. And she just thinks about how alone she is and then, like, lets the caterpillar mind take over. So, like, at this point... She doesn't, she's not Cassie anymore. She's just the caterpillar. And I don't think she like awakens again until after she's a butterfly. So she's like, she essentially, I guess, dies in a way. And then comes back to life. Oh my God, she's Jesus. She came back like three days later. (laughs) It's all a metaphor for Christianity. Oh no, I don't know about all this now. Oh, oh and then I guess most valuable morph. I think Marco. I'm giving it to Cassie. Oh, fuck Cassie. No, I think Marco. <laughs> Cassie did the heavy lifting. Marco came in to save the day when Cassie was about to die. Yes, but that's not the point of this book. The I know. The point of this book is the philosophical arguments and, and stupid just... navel gazing bullshit. Nope. I'm all. I'm like. I'm just so pure, Rachel. I can't stand it. <laughs> if we're not if we're not fighting, I'm mad. See, and I'm like literally skimming over the fights at this point. I'm like, punch, punch, punch. Someone's a gorilla. Someone's an elephant. Whatever. Please spend 50 pages trying to debate whether or not it's okay to kill this one girl in order that the whole of humanity can be free. It was like 80% of this book, and it was too much so for me. Good. It was so good. <laughs> okay i just want a book full of debating stuff that doesn't actually matter in the real world and kissing that's all i want (laughs) someone find that book for m submit it to us please (laughs) well we've talked for enough time (laughs) i think that does wrap us up for this week uh next week we will be continuing anna's royal regular romance (laughs) unit with (laughs) With, the one uh, where the prince marries a dum-dum. <laughs> or the princess marries a dum-dum. Either way. With um, Just Ella by Margaret Peterson Haddix. And then the week after that, we will be back with another Morph Monday covering Animorphs number 20. The... Discovery. Discovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Marco POV. Some exciting new things are happening in yeah. Andalite, Vandalite Town. 
In the meantime, if you have found that perfect book for M or the a book that you think she will absolutely despise, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should because there is fun there. There, Let me, let me just say it. The next book in the Animar series may be the turning point of the series. Hmm. It might be. May chance. It might, yeah, might be the end of Act One for the Animorphs. So you definitely want to hear about all of that. If you use Apple Podcasts, we very much appreciate a five star review. But if you don't use Apple Podcasts, you are also allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet that you like. In the words of K.A. Applegate, did you ever read Hatchet by Gary Polson? I asked Karen. No, Karen said, but I did listen to this really awesome podcast called Shelf Aware, which they read the book Hatchet by Gary Paulson. <laughs> That's written right here in the book, you guys. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's amazing how science fiction can predict the future sometimes. <laughs> Too bad there was nothing funny in this book. There's that quote about hatchet I thought about pulling. Oh, yeah. I meant to bring that up, but I don't have my notes because I've read a physical copy of this book. Oh, did you? I haven't heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh.